Welcome to Fresh Catholic, a podcast for those who are converting, reverting, or simply want a fresh perspective of the Catholic faith to help them to open their hearts and minds to become closer to the love and goodness of Christ. My daily prayer is that I will be a bright light to others, to be filled with the love and light of Christ, so that when people look at me, they see Him radiating out from me for His glory. Well, hello and welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. I know last week's episode was probably pretty intense and heavy for people. I know it was intense and heavy for me to go through in my life, that accident. I think where we left off was I was still living in a trailer in 110 degree temperature, wearing my halo apparatus, which was just hell on earth, but a miracle at the same time. I had to wear wear that apparatus for um, a few months and it was it was just very heavy and and dreadful to wear and you know I couldn't sleep very well I was in a tremendous amount of pain Um, just for a reference for everybody um, instead of me just saying I was in a lot of pain typically when when somebody goes to the doctor they'll say what's your pain level on a scale of one to ten and they say birth or even kidney stones are at a level ten Having a halo apparatus on with the screws in your skull, in my mind, is a 15. So um, there's no other way for me to think about it. It was a, a real good solid 15. And, you know, I had it on all day, every day for months. So I just want to, you know, clarify that that's how much pain somebody's in when they're wearing a halo. One of the best days of my whole life was getting that halo off. July 12th, I'll never forget it. Honestly, it's in the top five best days of my whole life. I had to go to the doctor. They had to remove the apparatus and the screws out of my skull. And my body was so atrophied just from, you know, being paralyzed from the neck down and not being able to function properly. I was so tiny with this huge apparatus. And when they took it off, I thought I was just going to fall over. It was a miracle to get it off. And I felt so much better. And I could go have a bath and wash my hair and could hold my children and feel their bodies and my my body against their body, which was the first time with my daughter, which was miraculous. You know, you take that for granted. But when you're not able to hold your baby up against you, that's, you know, something that was definitely a beautiful feeling. So after the halo came off, I had to kind of re-enter into what I was hoping would be a normal life. But, you know, I have a dent in my spinal cord, a permanent dent. My neck broke right into my spinal cord and dented it. Didn't sever it, um, thank heaven. But I'm what's termed an incomplete quadriplegic, which means that I move but I have all the same traits as a quadriplegic. So a lot of the messages in my brain, some go through the dent um, opposite, hot and cold are opposite. Um, Some don't go through at all, like the ability to run and jump. I know in my head how to run and jump, but it won't send it down to my body. And some things go through normal. It took me a long time to figure all that out, but um, I had to relearn how to do many, many things that people take for granted. I had to relearn how to do everything. And, you know, as an adult who already knows how to do everything in your head, when you have to do them and relearn them, it's so strange. When somebody says, you know, lift this up, move this over here, 
walk this far. Okay, do a button. Those darn buttons. To this day, I still can't do a a lot of things. I can't run. I can't jump. I can't go up and down stairs normally without holding on to something or someone. I still can't really do buttons unless I'm looking at the buttons. And so, you know, I those things they've never come back but um but certain things I had to relearn how to do and it was just it was frustrating at best but I was so determined so I I did the best I could I also had to really come to grips with the fact that I used to be really active and really athletic I had to give up a lot of things that were really difficult for me because I was like you know things that I loved to do or things that I had dreamed about doing with my children, I had to just give those up. And, you know, I'm not whining and complaining. I'm happy to be alive and my, you know, I'm able to move and walk. But I definitely have moments of mourning, or especially when my children were little, or even my grandchildren now, where, you know, I would have loved to do certain things with them. And I just can't, like ever. You know, I was an ice skater, and I've always wanted to ice skate with my children. Well, I've never got to do that. But they didn't know me before, so they it wasn't like, oh, mommy used to ice skate with us, and now she can't. So I've always been the same mommy to them, which is a blessing because, you know, I'm the one that's grieving it, not them. And they have just always accepted it. And, and But it is, it, you know, I've had real bad moments where, you know, I'll be at the beach and I want to run into the water with my children or my grandchildren and they can't, you know, I've never been able to do that. So, you know, giving up a lot of the things that I love to do, um, at first it was pretty devastating to me. I was really young when this happened. So, you know, I have a long life ahead of me. I had to reevaluate like maybe different things I could do. My husband really helped me to figure that out. You know, instead of thinking about all the things I couldn't do, we tried to think of the things I could do. And so I look back on all the activities that I used to do, and I think, well, I'm happy I have that memory. I I have those memories. Um, So, you know, just kind of coping with having to change, you know, everything about what I, you, you know, did before. I did go to therapy with the pastor at my church, which I was so grateful for because We didn't have any money, especially after this accident. We were paying nine doctors before my lawsuit had finished. I'm not going to get into all the details about the lawsuit. It was was a long lawsuit for a quote-unquote cut-and-dry case. It's not that I really wanted to, you know, seek out vengeance or anything, but, you know, my bills were so high, somebody had to pay for these bills. I had to be in that mindset of a lawsuit for over two years, and... It was very depressing because we we were constantly talking about what I couldn't do, all my, you know, disability, everything that had been taken away from me. And I really was starting to go into a depression because just everything was so negative and we had no money and we were living in this trailer with, you know, these two babies, disabled, you know, it was it was miserable out there. And I was just grateful that I was able to go to therapy with my pastor, and he really did help me in many, many ways. I still think about what he says today. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting was he was telling me that I was grieving myself. And I thought, 
I've never heard of anybody grieving themselves, like you grieve when a loved one dies or a pet dies. And he said, no, you have to think about it in these terms that you died that day in many ways. You will never be the same person. That person doesn't exist. He wasn't saying it in a doom and gloom way. He was trying to tell me that there was like a new, new Lori ahead and I needed to accept that and that it was okay to grieve myself because I was going through this grieving process, you know, of he really helped me to wrap my mind around that, you know, to to grieve the old Lori, but to look forward to the future of the new Lori. So I really, really appreciated him. So not not too much after that, not at all, um, I got pregnant again. The wind blew from the north, as we all know, and Lori got pregnant. And once again, my husband and I were thrilled. This was exciting news. I was so happy. I was like, oh my gosh, after all that, I was able to get pregnant. And we were just thrilled. And so... So I looked at it as, you know, babies are a miracle. And and I knew it was a part of the plan of what God wanted. I was not quite sure what was going on since there was a lot of risks with it. There was a tremendous amount of risks. The doctor told me that just because I was pregnant didn't mean I could or should have the baby you're probably not going to make it through childbirth, and we recommend that you have an abortion. They just weren't sure if if my body could handle it. It never entered my mind that one of my choices would be to have an abortion. I just thought, well, I'm going to go, and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to have this baby, and I think that it's meant to be, and that's where I'm at, and I just, I'll do whatever they tell me. It had to be approved by four different doctors um, for me to be able to see this baby through to birth. And I remember we called my dad, and my dad was really pressuring me to have an abortion. And I was very upset. This was not what I wanted to hear. Um, I think that's one of the only times I've ever been really distraught by something my dad has told me. And um, I understand why he, he didn't want me to die because, you know, they they were they were um, predicting that I was going to die in childbirth, and so he didn't want me to leave, you know, him, <laughs> and and my family, and I didn't want to have an abortion. I wanted to try to have the baby, so the doctors approved me having the baby, but it had a lot of restrictions and rules behind it. Um, my my injury is very complicated. And um, they were afraid that I was going to die because my blood pressure can't go up with my condition. I have to keep really low blood pre- pressure. And, and so pretty much the entire pregnancy, I, was, I th- thought I was going to my death, to be honest with you. I didn't really enjoy the pregnancy because I still wasn't feeling great. I was still had these other two babies I was trying to manage and take care of. And um, them being pregnant and being worried Um, but, and it was extra hard on me because I was still kind of messed up from the last baby because, you know, I had dreamed about her, you know, I'm pregnant with her. 
I'm, you know, thinking how beautiful everything's going to be. And then I totally missed her birth. You know, I wasn't even there. And it messed me up, you know. Um, so when I was, you know, I really wanted to have this baby. And I really wanted to try to go through a normal experience. We didn't think I was going to be able to. I, I'm, I did anything they told me to do. I signed all the papers if they needed to do another C-section. I did say, if you do another C-section, could you just, like, take the baby out and, like, give me a pretty scar? Um, I ended up actually having the baby in a normal uh, way, which I was, like, you know, I was, I was thrilled. The second he was born, it was just, it was relief, and I was fine, and the baby was healthy, and I just would not hand him over to anybody. They they cleaned him barely. They sucked the stuff out of him, and then I just took him, and I wouldn't give him up because I just wanted to stare at him all the time, and that really, really helped me. You know, I looking back now, I, I can definitely see it was, you know, God's plan for me to have that, that third baby. Even though some people didn't think it was real smart or healthy or the best timing or whatever, um, you know, God knew God knew what I needed, and He blessed me with getting pregnant and going through that birth. That was a miracle to me. So He just knew that I needed that baby at that moment, and that that was going to be the thing that was going to help me really heal mentally and emotionally. And so Cody was the best medicine. So after he was born, um, I just, you know, to be honest with you, life went on. I had to figure out how to manage these children, manage myself learning how to do things and healing. And it it took three years for me to settle into my um disability, as they say. We we moved back down to Ventura and Ojai to be near my family because I had all these children and I still was, you know, recovering and, and I needed to be around my family. We needed um, a lot of help. So I decided when we came back to Ojai that I would try to find a church. You know, I had to leave my very comforting church up in Oakhurst and, and you know, that was really hard to leave all those people behind. Um, they had really helped me and changed my life, and I just had to leave them behind. So I went to a few churches, and I'm sorry to say that for me, they paled in comparison. I mean, that bar was set very high up in Oakhurst, and just the genuine um, love of Christ. And and you have to remember, when I left Ojai, I wasn't going to church at all. I knew nothing about all this. So when I, you know, came back, I had some knowledge and I had some ways of things that I felt really good and comfortable with and, you know, that made me feel really happy. And I wasn't finding those. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing. I'm going to make up my own religion um, and I'll just, you know, read the Bible to my kids and we'll pray. And I even... Uh, homeschooled my older son for a little while. We had a Bible class in the homeschooling, and I tried to just kind of do my own thing and and make my own rules about it, um, which I think is funny now because I know that's not the best way to do it. But I kind of I didn't want to give up on you know being a Christian. I didn't want to give up on on Christ, but I just didn't want to go to church. So we didn't go to church, 
And so then I was kind of back to that where it's just like, okay, I'm not going to church. I'm still not learning anything. I'm still not really fully understanding, um, you know, being a Christian. And I was just kind of, I don't want to say faking it because that's not true because I've always loved Christ. It was more, I was just kind of thought, well, I'll just put this together with bubble gum and a paperclip, you know, and figure out how to make this work. I'd, I just look back at those those years of making up my own religion, trying to like, it. it's kind of like treading water. I just felt like I was treading water, trying to keep my head up. But I wasn't really, I wasn't really um, living what, I wasn't practicing what I was preaching. I guess that's a good way to say it. And I just kept moving forward. I just kept, you know, I had these three beautiful children. I was alive. I um, was trying to settle into, you know, my new way of doing things. Life went on, and um, one thing I noticed was my older son really struggled a lot with a lot of different things. I mean, rightly so. This poor child, you know, had been in this horrific accident, and he was so little, he couldn't really express how he was feeling or what he was feeling, and he just really struggled, and, you know, we we just kept that in mind that, that he was different than the other two. Um, years and years later... When he was 12, wouldn't you know, the one and only time we leave him to go to a track meet, um, he stayed with friends, and he got hit by a truck. He had fractured his sinus and broke his pelvis, and he's this six-foot-tall, 12-year-old kid. So he was, you know, bedridden for a few weeks and incapacitated and in a lot of pain and everything. And the and the sad kind of the sad part is is he had just started kind of thriving and you know we were noticing like a lot of positive things that were going on with him and then this accident happened soon after that he started self medicating with uh, drugs and alcohol at a very young age and you know I think that happens when people are in pain we obviously weren't aware that's what he was doing at the time but he was self medicating because he was in so much pain and. One thing kind of led to another, and we also found out that he was suffering from mental illness. I don't want to get into a lot of it about him. That's not something I'm comfortable doing. But that was a really rough time for him. And, um, you know, I think honestly, that's been the saddest, hardest part of my life is, you know, having a child that I love so deeply, I want to help so much. And I'm so dedicated to, and um, I'll take my accident, my pain any day over the pain he's he suffers or has suffered. Um, he is doing very well today, and I'm so grateful. Um, the Lord has just made this into a miracle, and he um, has two beautiful children. He has a beautiful wife. He's um, doing very well for himself, and it just, you know, that's a chapter I want to put a pin in. So, you know, it was also a really good learning lesson for us and our, our other children because mental illness is, you know, it's a very sad thing and it affects a lot of people. And unless you know somebody who's mentally ill, you know, a lot of people don't have sympathy and empathy for those people. And it really, you know, taught my children how to recognize people who struggle who have mental illness or or you know depression 
or um, things like that. And, you know, they, it helps you to have a more tender heart when, when you can live with a person like that and, you know, experience that in real life. I, I know my, my other two children, when they were in high school, um, you know, it's kind of when reality TV had first started and everybody thought it was, for lack of a better term, oh, it's so cool, you know, reality TV. And, you know, they would think things were like funny or cool about drug addiction or or mental illness. And, and my kids would say, we, we live this every day. This is not, it's not fun. It's not funny. It's scary. It's, you know, it's sad. And, um, you know, I think it really helped my children to be very sympathetic and empathetic. And, and so that's kind of the silver lining of it all. Um, my husband and I, you know, had to go through a lot with this accident, the aftermath of the accident, um, the three children who are very close in age, our son's um, second accident, the his mental illness. It was a lot on us and our marriage. And, you know, we were a really good team. We were a good parenting team. Um, I thought, you know, this is a person I'm going to be married to for the rest of my life. I didn't see my life any other way. We had a big, beautiful house. I had six dogs that I adored. Um, everything was going along great. You know, during what I call like this normal period of my normal, you know, existence and life and just trying to lead a normal life, um, I certainly wasn't doing it correctly now that I look back. It was such a strange, like, I was not a happy person. I was, you know, I was lashing out at people. I would say and do things that weren't great, that I know, you know, they're just, they they didn't fall. I think if I was still up in Elkhurst, I wouldn't be doing those things, I guess is what I'm saying. My husband and I, um, we started to have some problems, but I just thought, you know, everybody goes through problems and we've been through a tremendous amount and, you know, we're probably, you know, this is normal to a degree, but then we're kind of coming down off of all this, you know, trauma and things going on. So we kind of started, things got started getting a little rocky. And I just thought we were going to make it through. We would just, you know, work on it and, and work through it. But that's not what happened. Our children were grown. Um, the youngest still lived at home, but everybody were, they were all adults. So when things started getting a little bit rocky, I distinctly remember one day, um, and I just think this is so weird because you got to watch what you wish for or watch what you pray for. Got to watch what you say. Um, we were having a, a very heated moment, and I went um, out on the side of the house. There was this little, like, hidden spot on the side of the house, and I went over there because I just needed a minute, and I needed to kind of get away and find a little spot. And I went over, and I remember praying and saying, Lord, I don't think I can do this anymore. I can't live like this. I can't live with all this anger and and everything. And um, I'm willing to give up all this. Well, I ended up losing everything. I lost the house. I lost all my dogs. Um, my husband. It everything. Everything went, and it happened that fast. My husband decided that he was done with the marriage and he was miserable in our marriage. 
And so he announced to me one day that he was miserable and that he had been miserable for six years and that um, we we were just, you know, done. And I thought we should go to therapy. He didn't want to go to therapy. So basically, within like a month or two, he was moved out and that was that. So boy, I wasn't expecting that. I, I you know, I just... I had to reshift my thinking. So I'm I'm alone for like the first time ever, you know, living in this house trying to sell my house and and it was my home and it had been my home for, you know, a really really long time. I had, you know, my whole life was in there and I was just going to have to give everything up and, you know, I didn't know what my future was going to hold. I didn't I wasn't even praying to God and saying God, what do you want for me? Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? I wasn't even relying on him. I wasn't even seeking him out. I was starting to go off the deep end again, like I had done when I was 13 and how I had done when I was 21. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, you know, this, I'm going to go off the deep end again. I'm going to become not a wildcat, but a cougar. Um, you know, I was worried about that. Funny, not funny. I was worried because I thought this is what I tend to do. And so um, I was just really, you know, kind of starting to drown, start, uh, you know, go down again. And I look back now and I think, you know, I don't know why I wasn't praying more or why I wasn't reaching out to God. Um, and that was, that was uh, a mistake. And, but again, God always has the best plan. I don't think I was being punished by God, but I think, you know, I, I definitely wasn't going down the right path, and he had to shake up my world again to get me to start going down the correct path, the path he wanted me to go down. I look back now, and I think he really had to clean my slate. He really had to um, get rid of all those material things. He had to get rid of all those things that were distracting me. Um, he had to kind of, you know, like they say when you're in the military and they kind of knock you down in boot camp and kind of take strip you down so that, you know, you'll come back stronger. Um, I feel like if I never would have gotten that divorce, I would have never become Catholic. There would have been no way that that would have been my path with this husband. I had to leave that old life behind in order to move towards becoming Catholic. However, at the time, I didn't know that that was what was coming. But, you know, sometimes you have to just go with what, you know, the Holy Spirit's trying to guide you to do. And I'll tell you about my my conversion story next week, which just even saying it out loud gives me chills because it makes me so happy. Um, my life just took such an, um, uh, an amazing, beautiful turn. And I just am so grateful that I followed what God wanted me to do, and I just was a willing participant, and you know, it's the, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me, and I can't wait to share it with you next week. Thank you for joining me today. Now go out and be a bright light in someone's life, and remember, be focused, be faithful, and be fresh.